I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everyone, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days, breaking down every team in the NFL for you for the kickoff to the 2021 NFL season. I am Neil Smith, joined, as always, by Steve Bonham. Hello. Uh, and today, today is going to be really entertaining. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit of Seattle, a little bit of the sixth man, a little bit of that Russell Wilson, and... Uh, Twelve. <laughs> I say six. He said six. Yeah, you're uh, thinking NBA. I am. I am. And actually, yeah. it would have been a. It would. It would just be a better insult if I was trying to do that. <laughs> it's actually not a bad insult. Un- completely unintentional. Actually, sure. it's just more my own professionalism. This is uh, the, the twelfth man. Mm-hmm. Thank you for correcting me. You are right. It's been a long day. Uh, and speaking of it, it is actually August twenty first. So if anything we're going to talk about here in a moment sounds dated, that would be why. Check us out at importantnonsense.com and importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. And uh, for $1, $1 per month, you can get access to our Discord. And feel free to come and talk to us, ask us questions. We'll take a look at your team. Or if you just have anything you want to talk about NFL-related, uh, feel free. But as I'd see it off from the top, Steve, it's Seattle time. Yep. We're here to do it. So. You up? Yep. You up. <laughs> That's three people get that joke and two of them are in this room. That's all right. <laughs> that's that's the humor that we're here for. That's right. That's what we a do. Joke, here. A joke so inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally three people might get it. Uh, and yes, we will get into Pete Carroll and his uh, his texting every running back late at night in the NFL asking if they're off. But we'll get there in a moment when we get to running back. Let's let's talk about. Let's talk about a man whose Twitter profile and presence I find deeply distressing. <laughs> Russell, Russell Wilson, or as he goes on Twitter, Danger Russ. <laughs> oh Lord, I don't even Nailed know where it. to begin. I don't even know where to begin unpacking that. Nailed it. That's that's what it is, though. So Russell Wilson, aka, there's not a lot to talk about with Russell Wilson. I mean, he was one of many QBs this offseason that seemed to have a rift with their front office. But unlike those other guys, he's still there. Oh, yeah. So he's still in Seattle. He's still the guy. The most concerning thing about Russell Wilson is the whole let Russ cook. Like we've talked about uh, jokingly uh, a couple of times now. But like Russell Wilson, when given the opportunity, hasn't been terrible. There was a time, Neil, on this show, people may remember that we referred to Russell Wilson as the greatest fullback to play QB. <laughs> and, and, and that actually has stuck around for a while. Yeah, to be fair, where is the lie? That's, I mean, again, it was relevant for the time period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the whole let Russ cook movement of, hey, that's pass the ball more. That's be better passing the ball, run the ball less. Last season, Russell Wilson threw the ball 558 times. He had a great year passing the ball. Here's the troubling part. 
They started the year 5-0. and Then they had a week six bye. And after the week six bye, they lost three of their next four games. And from that point on, they only threw the ball 30 or more times, four times. So they really kind of reeled in Russ towards the back half of the season after that brief little losing streak. And to just put a bow on it, for those first 10 weeks of the year on a points per game basis, Russell Wilson was the QB two behind Kyler Murray. After that point, from weeks 11 through 17, after they focused more on the running game, Russell Wilson fell to QB 13. So he wasn't terrible. He was still serviceable and usable, but they wanted to transition to more of a run-first offense, which is what they have done basically forever. And they've said very publicly many times this offseason that that's the offense they want to run this year again. And that right now, Russell Wilson's going as a top seven QB in ADP. And it's really hard to feel like that's a good idea. (laughs) Well, especially when you layer on the fact that they fired the guy who in the off season, who used to be the one who was the main architect of let Russ cook. And then we'll get into it more when we talk about running back, but they brought back Chris Carson mm-hmm. based on the idea that they were transitioning, as you stated to a more run heavy attack. Yeah. And I think part of what pushes Russ up is the, when you mentioned, we used to refer to him as the greatest fullback to ever play quarterback. <laughs> yeah. That's always been a thing. Russell Wilson runs in tiny circles and then either hurls it down the field or takes off himself. Yes. He doesn't do that as much anymore. Yeah. He's a lot more like a quarterback now at this point in his career. And you still get some rushing floor, but he's not exactly the threat with his legs that he used to be. So you'll get some nice rushing floor with him, but there are guys who will give you actually better rushing floor in Lamar Jackson yes. and Kyler Murray. He's had a series of ankle and foot injuries since the beginning of his career that have kind of deterred that. Yeah. So he still runs, but he doesn't run like he used to. And it's, and it's, uh, it's not as attractive at this point. And you know, he's getting up there a little bit. He's not an old man quarterback yet, but he's not, he's not a rookie anymore. So he's, he's been around. You kind of know what you're getting. And that's the thing. I just don't know that there's going to be enough, you know, actual passing opportunities to sustain like a top six performance. So, and that's kind me, of the issue for me. We've talked about this as well, the Konami code guys and there being like a cliff, right? Because we agree that we both have um, a top, top five of Murray, Mahomes, Prescott, Allen, and Jackson, yes. right? In whatever order you want. Uh, then at six for me, it's Jalen Hurts. And for you, where do you have Russ? Uh, I have Russ down at 10. Okay, so I have Russ currently in the tier with Herbert, Rodgers, and Brady. And right now, Russell Wilson is going at six in ADP. And the issue is that Hurts, for me, I have floating in a tier three by himself. And it's because he's that Konami code guy, but I don't trust the passing game enough. To like, he has the ability that if the passing game gets good, he could ascend into a top five spot. 
Oh, and absolutely. if the passing game is terrible, he still has the rushing floor that he should be top 12, which is why he floats there in the middle. Like you talked about with the lack of running game, Russell Wilson is now in a position to me where he's like Herbert Rogers and Brady, where he's going to be more of an in the pa- the pocket type passer that has to rely on his arm and putting up numbers through the air. And to me, I'm more confident that Herbert Rogers and Brady are going to put up those huge air yard numbers and touchdowns compared to Wilson, considering the offenses they're in. Yeah. And so for me, it's just, it's slightly different. We agree on the top five, but I have Herbert at six because I feel, I feel good about that because you're going to get, you get a little bit of a mix. That's the thing. Herbert doesn't give you no rushing. It's not like he's a total statue. He runs around the goal line and he runs a little bit when he needs to. He's not trying to run, but he can do it and he will. And he's, he, he's young enough that I'm not too worried about it. Seven for me is Hertz. And it's for the reasons you stated. It's because he, he hangs out in this void. I just feel a little bit more secure in Herbert if I'm going to go that high at six that I know what I'm getting as a return. So that's why he goes just, it's a security thing. One spot above Hertz. But Hertz is so attractive. But I've got him at QB seven. And then I've got all the other guys. Rodgers, Brady, and then Wilson. It's my three statues. It's the guys who, R- Russell Wilson's not really a statue, but it's my three established veterans that you know what you're going to get. But he goes, Russell Wilson now gets lumped in with those guys, even though he is still more mobile than those guys, but not by as dramatic a margin as you would need to be to get up to Hertz at seven. So it's a similar thought process. I know that all and all three of those guys at at eight, nine, ten, respectively, closing with Wilson, you know what you're getting. So you're getting a really good, you know, a really solid quarterback. It's just they lack the upside for the most part at this point, unless Aaron Rodgers is going to go have another huge MVP season or something. Right. Like unless something like that's going to happen, which is pretty unlikely, they they all have to tear off in that range. They just lack the upside at this point in their careers. So there's nothing behind Russell Wilson, obviously. He's yeah. the franchise, so you know what you're getting. I think you and I would just preach caution on taking him as the QB6 and investing in that at that right. level. Right. That's like right now, I think that's the biggest thing to take away from. That's the takeaway. Honestly, more than anything. Again, for... There are so many QBs and they're all so deep. And to me, QB more and more and more is feeling like tight end where there's those Konami guys at the top that you really want and you want to reach for. And if those guys are gone, you punt it because after that, it pretty much starts to get to be all the same. And it's not quite to that level yet. But I feel like it's really, really getting there. And right now, you're talking about with an ADP of QB6, Russell Wilson is going in the fifth round. The fifth round of drafts. To be paying that type of premium, The uh, again, he has a decent floor. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad season, but you could be looking at a guy where you're getting Hurts Tannehill, Brady, similar production five, six rounds later in the draft. Why are you using a fifth round pick when there's, again, there's some upside, but you really, you're pushing it. Well, in the fifth round pick, you should really be looking at at that nice stable of wide receivers that are out there at that Mm. point. Something like that. If you're doing this properly. Well, and that's the the point here too, is like, he's going six spots in overall behind Dak. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's creeping up to Dak Prescott. Yeah, no, that guy, no way, not yeah. even close, 
Not yeah. even close. Give me Dak 10 times out of 10 on that decision. Yeah. That's easy. Okay. Well, apparently apparently there needs to be a reality check on Russell Wilson <laughs> because yeah. if you're telling me that that's the comparison right now is that it's, oh, I can have Dak or Russell Wilson. Hmm. No, that's an easy decision. Yes. Easy decision right there. So, yeah, if people are going to draft Russell Wilson like that, stay far away from it. Let them. And it, again, Let them. The, we've Go talked nuts. about this several times, uh, you know, on our recording today, but like over the last couple episodes here, this is not us hating the player. This is the price. This yeah. is <laughs> this is a good player that I would love to get at a value. Sure. If if I have my starting running backs and wide receivers established, especially if I get one of these wide receivers, I would love to get Russ in the seventh, eighth round. I'm totally fine doing that. To reach for him in the fifth is the problem. Yeah, that's your issue right there. The hype train has gotten has gotten completely overblown from the the let Russ cook folks. They're pushing that ADP yeah. up pretty successfully. So I'm gonna stay far away from that. And uh and yeah, there's no there's no way I'm drafting him at that relative ADP. That's insane. Yep. That, there's, I don't even want hardly any quarterback in the fifth round, frankly. Like, who are you taking? Like, and if, and if if I have to take a quarterback in the fifth round, I'm absolutely taking Dak. <laughs> like, are yeah, you kidding? Kyler or Dak would be yeah, if they're ab- there. Those are the abs- guys. Absolutely, something like that. So yeah. no, you're way overpaying Russell Wilson in the fifth round. Can't stress enough that people not do that. So at this point, let's we've I've, we've belabored that to death. Let's let's <laughs> move into let's move into running back here because well, actually, I'll ask you, what do you think matters, DK Metcalf or Chris Carson? No, we're fine. Let's move down the list. We'll just go into uh, Carson here at running back because right. it is just Chris Carson at running back. <laughs> it's pre- it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it it's, really it really is. It's, it really is. It, it doesn't get much easier than this, right? Yeah. No, it's pretty. It's point and shoot. It's Chris Carson is the guy. They still have they still have Rashad Penny, but that's not really a thing. And Chris Carson is my RB fifteen. He's projected what? Uh, 16 on our website. And yeah. where do you have Chris Carson? Where do I have him ranked? Yeah. Or where you ADP? Ranked? Uh, no, I ranked. Per- yeah. I personally have him ranked at 15. Yeah, me too. I have him one spot ahead of David Montgomery. I have him one spot behind Deandre Swift. And just very briefly, I understand this is the Seattle show. <laughs> I get it. Are we double I, dipping? We're going to, we're going to get right back into this. I understand that this is the Seattle show. No, no, no. But that's, just looking at the ADP right now, Chris Carson is going at 18 in running back, 35 overall, end of the third round. Totally fine. Understand it. He's the safe pick. That's great. Uh, so Chris Carson, he's going right there ahead of Miles Sanders. Don't worry about that. That's not what matters here. But what <laughs> I'm going to very briefly touch on, we will talk about this, I'm sure, when we have the wrap-up show, but he's going only two picks behind DeAndre Swift. I just don't understand the hate on DeAndre Swift going at the end of the third round. I'm it just blows my mind every time I see it. It's it's unbelievable. But yes, go sorry. I, I no, didn't no, mean to no, sidetrack us off Seattle. You're you're fine because I'm similarly confused as to what happened with DeAndre yeah, like, Swift <laughs> suddenly in the background. That like what did he what did he do? Like he's gonna like, be great. I don't know what people suddenly flip the switch on and they're just not excited by it anymore. It's puzzling say the least like all of a sudden he's he's being drafted behind guys like ceh has climbed david montgomery has gone up and now jk dobbins has passed him too i just i don't know where this is coming from or why 
the hate is just gone way too far. Boy, if that's if that if this if 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 this continues, I will have so many DeAndre Swift shares. Right. <laughs> I will have so many. It's gonna be great. But Insane. let's 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 go back to Chris Carson for a moment here. Yes. We, we absolutely but will talk the about DeAndre Swift. I was Swift able again. to 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 switch over to Swift there because there's nothing to talk about. It is what well, it, like yeah. Chris Carson is your safety blanket. I feel great with him as my RB two. Yep. He's basically the last player on the board that I would say this is my RB one and feel good about it. Yep. And because after that, you hit the cliff of your Josh Jacobs and your Miles your, Gaskin, yep. your Daryl and Henderson. your Daryl Henderson, and your guys that are going to be good as your RB2. But this is, oh no, I've waited too long to get my RB1. Yes. Chris Carson is the kind of the last horse in the stable in yes. that regard, frequently. And he's the last guy that I look at where I'm like, if I have somebody else who's better than him on the in the rankings and him, I'm like, great, got it. Arnie, running back solved. We're good. And it's, it's a neat little conversation because there's not much else to talk about as we teased from the top. Mm -hmm. DJ Dallas is still there. I don't care. You shouldn't either. Travis Homer is still there. I don't care. Don't worry about it. Alex Collins is still there. Again, don't care. Not worried about it. And not, and then Rashad Penny will likely be out there at some point because they just insist on trying this until something happens. I'm not drafting Rashad Penny in a 12-team redraft to be a handcuff to Chris Carson. How about you? And I'm, I'm assuming you have no interest in that. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm so I'm still not even completely convinced that Rashad Penny stays with them. So I don't. I think he is for this year, and then it's probably the end of that. At yeah, the, it's just forever. you can't count on him to stay healthy. It's just yeah. There's just haven't, there's haven't so many seen enough. Marks. Haven't seen enough of the player, even frankly, to like really know what he'd even be doing. So yeah, I think it's Chris Carson is your guy, and don't worry about trying to handcuff it with anything. And if something was to happen to Carson, we'll have to reevaluate because somebody will do the job. But right now, we couldn't tell you who or how that would manifest. It's right. It's just too unclear. So, but Chris Carson, the one thing that is clear is Chris Carson is basically the last RB one to your point, and then. From there, we can go cleanly into into wide receiver, and we, wide receiver here is not totally too different from years gone by, right? Yeah. DK Metcalf, you know, absolute monster. Uh, Tyler Lockett still there, still still does Tyler Lockett things. And in the draft, what is a little bit different is they added Dwayne Eskridge, so they were comfortable kind of reevaluating a little bit of the room and. So he's now, in theory, going to come in and be their new slot receiver, basically from day one. My main kind of so what about that is that the Seattle well, slot receiver doesn't matter historically. Well, Tyler Lockett is their slot receiver. Eskridge okay. is the new Z. He's taking over the job that was uh, David Moore's. Yeah, okay. On so, the but, outside. but again, they've never thrown enough to to support three fantasy right. relevant wide receivers. Yeah. Really, They tried like, it with David Moore. They tried it with uh, Josh Gordon. Remember for a little while there, yep. people got um, all excited and it didn't pan out. Yeah. There was so much talk last season all year that they were going to bring in a B until he ultimately ended up in Tampa Bay. So I'd argue that worked out <laughs> right, for everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, here's my problem. You, you know, I love DK Metcalf. He's a big-bodied receiver. He's a tight. He's he's basically a tight end on the outside. He, well, except he's so much faster than that. Remember that time? Yes. 
that he ran that guy down. And it's like one of Correct. the most scary things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes. It, he, it was like intercepted horrifying. on one side of the field. He ran across the other side of the field, caught him and knocked him down before he could score. And, a pick six. It, I've, and I've, I've never seen anything quite like it. It, it was it was amazing. It was like watching a lion hunt a gazelle. It was fantastic. It's pretty horrifying. Like it's actually kind of scary that he's that fast. <laughs> he's that but big. The issue is DK Metcalf. He's their red zone threat. He's a a fantastic wide receiver that I feel like you can count on week in and week out. He's never been a guy that I would say has been too boomer bust, which is the exact problem I have with Tyler Lockett. People feel like they can kind of interchange the two where, oh, it could be either way. I'll I'll take either one. It doesn't really matter. Last season, DK Metcalf had three games where he scored five points or less. And one of them was week 17 at the end of the season when they kind of didn't care about that game. So he had two games basically that counted in fantasy purposes of less than five points. Every other game that he had in PPR scoring was 9.3 points or better. So he had a fairly consistent year. He averaged 17 points per game. And again, if you just look at the fantasy relevant weeks of 1 through 16, DK Metcalf had 17.8 points per game, and that was wide receiver 6 for the season. So he had a very dominant year last year. Tyler Lockett was wide receiver 13 and on points per game was 15.5. So this, I can understand how people are getting to the conclusion that, oh, they're interchangeable. I'll just take whichever one is there. Right. Yes. So he had a 53 point game. He did. He also had a 33 point game in week 17. That helped nobody. (laughs) But the the fun part about the the Tyler Lockett experience. So last season, just looking at his game log, right? Weeks one and two, he had 17 points and 20 points. He had a 37 against Dallas in week three. Well, you would against that Dallas. Sure. He had his 53 in week seven. But then the other games from week four. That was the six touchdown game, correct? Where he, something uh, like three that? Touchdowns, three, three touchdowns. Three touch. Yeah, sorry. Three touchdown game. Yeah, I remember yes. that. Okay. Uh, but he had uh, 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns against Arizona's defense. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But every week outside of that one since week four, okay? Six, eight, bye. Seven, eight, 11, 21. 5, 12, 10, 7, 7. <laughs> he had 1, 2, experience. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 7 of his last 11 games with 8 points or less. That's the Tyler Lockett experience. Yep. He will give you a 20. He'll give you that random 53. But he will also crater out. Tyler Lockett is one of those guys that I say I love to have as my flex. Because if he's my fourth wide receiver as my flex, then I can put him in my lineup and know no matter what I get from him, it's gravy because I've got three guys that I can count on week in and week out. The problem is that's never going to happen with his ADP, so I will never have a share of Tyler Lockett. Right now, DK Metcalf is going at wide receiver five. Tyler Lockett's going at wide receiver 20. And people make the argument, well, why pay the premium for Metcalf 
when I can just wait and have Lockett. And I just explained why. <laughs> because that's why there's a reason that Tyler Lockett is going 15 spots later. And that's it right there. But even then, like I said, at his ADP, Tyler Lockett is four spots ahead of where I have him ranked at 24. And that's because by my own general philosophy, I'm thinking that I'm getting one guy from each of my tiers. So I'm hoping to get a guy from tier one. If not, I'd like to get two guys in my tier two. I want to get one of my guys in tier three. And then my fourth wide receiver slash flex, I'm looking at the fourth or fifth tier. And that's where I've got Tyler Lockett down there. And I just, he'll never fall that far, unfortunately. I'm in the same boat. I actually have Tyler Lockett at 25. Because yeah. if you think about it this way, in a lot of leagues that the people play, in particular on ESPN, you start two wide receivers, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't really know what Tyler Lockett is your wide receiver too. Yeah. But I'd be happy to have him as my flex. Yeah. So he's Every- the top part of flex in a standard and- in a standard situation like that. But that's what's crazy. Like he's going right now. So he's going right now at 49 overall. And uh, that's the first pick of the fifth round. He's going just ahead of guys like Deontay Johnson, who are PPR monsters, uh, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Jamar Chase, Kenny Galladay, who's arguably the one on the Giants, like nobody else competing with him there we talked about. Mm-hmm. T Higgins. I was going to say, like, T. these Higgins. are all guys that I would seriously be considering, if not Brandon, for sure, taking over Tyler, even Lockett. possibly Brandon Ayuk, something yeah. like that. Like, there's a num- there's a number of guys that he's going ahead of that he really shouldn't be because you're just you're begging for a disaster when your wide receiver two takes a, a five like that when you've got established guys that you could be choosing that present so much more security from a position that you actually need a relative amount of stability from. You can't, you're not going to go very far if your wide receiver two is putting up a six consistently. Yeah. It's, it's a classic overreach. And I even have questions about DK Metcalf going as high as six. I get that though. That's closer. Mm. That's the, at least I understand that I have personally have DK Metcalf at 10, but you're not really doing much analysis on that. He's a stud. Yeah. But so yeah, he's going at wide receiver five, which is 18 overall. So he's going in the middle of the second round on ADP right now. Yeah, and if you really like DK Metcalf like that, I, again, I could sure. I could kind of understand that. Whereas trying to take Tyler Lockett up at twenty, to me, is is just asking for a disaster to yeah. have to fall on you. That's not it's not a secure thing to do at all. You broke down the game log very nicely there. So no, that is the difference between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. You're really you're fine to go ahead and overdraft Metcalf a little bit if you want. I don't think you're going to blow up too bad on that. Right. Whereas you could literally lose your league <laughs> with taking Tyler Lockett where you're you're trying to take him. It's not hyperbole. Right. And then beyond that, there's not much else wide receiver wise that you're you'd be wanting to draft. You're not going to draft Dwayne Eskridge. You're not going to, and he's the best one, right? Already right out of the gate. So yep. no, there's nobody else really to talk about. They have other guys, but they're all. It, it's it's literally nothing to nothing to worry about at all. Do not waste your time trying to learn the the back half of the, the Seattle the Seattle wide receiver room. It's really yeah. all locked up in those two guys. And so if you expand out to all pass catchers from there, they actually did make a move. They brought in Gerald Everett, which uh, you know we've seen for quite a while playing with the Rams, and he's had moments of relevance. So they brought him in to kind of take over, and they still have uh, Will Disley who 
every time Will Disley gets on the field, he usually does something spectacular and then immediately gets hurt five seconds after. And it's really sad. <laughs> it just happens. Pretty much. That's the Will Disley career. He gets on the field, does something really remarkable, then immediately gets hurt. And it's like, I, that's so sad. But that, those are your tight ends. They also have Colby Parkinson, but you don't need to know about Colby Parkinson. <laughs> so it's that that's really it. And Gerald Everett is one of those guys, those classic that we've been talking about, those guys that just fall in that like grab bag of tight end once you get down to around tight end 15. He's yep. he's the guy. There's nobody really challenging him for his job. We've seen him be productive before. They'll use the tight end to certain to a certain extent in Seattle. Maybe it'll work out. But it's not something you're gonna get heavily invested in. He's I've got him at like 18. Like you're not, it's not something you're going to worry about, but when you get down that low and you're just fishing around, he, I would argue is kind of like the bottom end of that. Yeah. And then from there, from there, you're talking about not much else. The defense will be the defense. You know, it's a classic thing They're They're not, they're not amazing anymore. They're not the Legion of boom years defense, but they're still pretty good. We've got them projected for defense 12. I have to imagine that they're being overdrafted in ADP because it says Seahawks on it. I've got them at 13 myself and don't feel great about it. Um, they are being drafted currently at defense 16. But what gives me trepidation is when we talk about defense, trying to project out entire defensive stats is always difficult because you're talking mm-hmm. about a whole team and it's, it's all circumstantial. It's the whole reason that trying to project kickers is impossible. Like, y- when you're building projections and you're trying to project out for a season, it's you can use the history of a player or the history of a team and their tendencies to kind of project how many targets a player is going to get, how many rush attempts, how many touchdowns they likely have an opportunity to score, how far a kicker is going to kick a football, <laughs> is extremely diff- that there are so many variables that go into that to say oh why didn't you know Justin Tucker was going to kick a 43 a 37 and a 28 yard field goal this week like who that a, a, a slip in the grass a ball bouncing the wrong way a strong breeze that emerges yeah. out of nowhere so now i'm talking about trying to figure out where the angle of the sun is you're, to you're figure out literally trying speed. to project the future at that point it's not going to happen it's not going to happen get that right. which is why no one can accurately rank or project kickers it's not possible same thing with defense with defense you're trying to project 11 starters and the backups and the variables And with many scoring systems, it's how many yards did they allow? How many points did they allow? Well, even if they're a great defense, if they gave up 300 yards in garbage time and three touchdowns, but they were winning 42 to nothing when they gave up on the game, it doesn't matter. Like if they gave, if they win 42 to 21, they still gave up 21 points and 400 yards. It doesn't matter. It's all about stats at the end of the day. So being good or bad, a lot of the times doesn't matter. You want like a middling defense more often than not, or teams that can take the ball away and turn other teams over. What scares me and gives me trepidation about Seattle is they play in a division with Arizona twice. Yep. You've got uh, San Francisco on an uptick, who we're going to talk about on the next show, and you have the Rams who added Matt Stafford that we've already talked about. So you're already in a difficult division, plus you have a difficult schedule because you're coming off of a good year again, as always. 
it's going to be difficult for them to have low scoring, low yardage games. And that's why I was saying, given the personnel reductions that we've seen over the last few years, I actually have them at 20. Yeah. So they, they come, they're getting drafted at 16 and that actually makes me feel better about it. Especially after yesterday's day running news that the Pittsburgh defense was being drafted in the eighth round. Cause I'm still yeah. not fully recovered from that realization. I, this, this makes me feel better. Well, that I have Seattle in the same ballpark as uh, Denver and San Francisco and Miami and New Orleans. But again, like I said, they have fantastic individual players. And when you're getting beyond the top 10 defenses, basically, I'm just looking for playmakers who will get the sacks, who will get the turnovers. Yeah, and who will turn people over. That's Yeah, really what who, who will for. get those plays for me. So if you're telling me that I can have Seattle because they're going undrafted, they may be a defense I end up targeting a bunch because, I mean, hey, like I said, they're they're one of those coin, coin flip dart throws at the position, and I know I'm not going to take one before the last round. So. Well, and see, here's what I would say. I'm probably not drafting uh, Seattle, and given their relative ADP, you probably mm-hmm. don't have to. Right. And that's kind of where I like it. Because I yes. wouldn't mind streaming it. Sure. They're good enough still that I would ter- totally be fine streaming them throughout yeah. the season. But to your point about the schedule, there's eight weeks already that you can basically just throw it away. You're yeah. not going to, you're either going to have to hold two defenses, which I don't like doing, but I will if I have to. And they're not good enough for that. I would just throw it back out there. Like, so I view them as somebody that you'll likely be picking up off waivers if they have an easy stretch to the schedule. And that's what I would keep my eye on for them. Yeah. And just with that in mind, they open the year against Indy with Jacob Eason. Oh, yeah, that looks a lot better now. Uh, then home against Tennessee, and then at Minnesota, at San Francisco, before they play the Rams in Pittsburgh back-to-back. So you got you got four games, basically, to start the year that shouldn't be too terrible. Um, so if you want to stream them at the start of the year and then pick somebody up before that week six game in Pittsburgh, there you go. Why not? Yeah, you could probably do worse. I would see what else is available potentially even as early as that Tennessee game, but that Jacob Eason game. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. That Pounce sounds like on a, that. That sounds good. I like that. I like the logic there. I like that. I'll take the guy I coming into his quiet. first NFL start. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's do that. That yep. sounds good. Let everybody get warmed up. So, beyond that, they they that's that really covers it from my end. I don't think that there's too much else to uh to kind of go through, I mean, like, you know, some people really like Jason Myers, but I'm yeah. not, I don't really particularly worry about that too much. And I certainly wouldn't overpay for it, which you might have to do since people tend to like it. Uh, you I know can- what? I've got the information here. I might as well look at it. Uh, there you go. Jake, uh, Jason Myers is going at kicker 11 and he is ranked as my kicker too. Again, it's, it's all, kicker. it's all throwing darts. Who the hell knows? But the logic of course, being they want to run the ball more. When they were running the ball more last year, they ended up getting stopped more, kicking more field goals. There you go. Yep. That's it's it's not a it's not a hard path to follow to kind of reach the places that I reach. But I'm looking for that type of kicker where they're playing indoors mostly, that they're on a decent enough offense that tends to stall out, and he's accurate. So there you go. And they should still, you know, kicker analysis. <laughs> You're welcome. That's right. That's and you know what? We're just going to close there. It's <laughs> the strongest analysis possible. There it is. You wanted it. You got it. Kicker analysis. Give the people what they want. 
Join us tomorrow as we will review the San Francisco 49ers. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!